I acknowledge with respect the unceded territory of the Algonquin and Anishinaabeg people whose land I live, work, and play on. Miigwech. This is Umami Conversations, a podcast and community that offers unapologetically honest and therapeutic dialogue through the art of storytelling and mindfulness. I am your host, Agnes Apia, and I and my guests will delve into themes that explore the depths of this human experience. Um, We'll be challenging societal norms and shifting perceptions about issues that are often considered forbidding. This podcast is intended for open-minded women of African descent and their allies who appreciate meaningful conversation and are eager to absorb the wisdom of other women. Please join us as we share our narratives and embrace vulnerability in the effort to create a more compassionate and understanding world. We also kindly ask that you take a moment to leave a review on your preferred platform. Your feedback helps us improve and position us to reach a wider audience. This is Umami Conversation and enjoy this episode. Blessing. Hello, 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 beautiful ones. Thank you so much for tuning in once again to another amazing episode at Umami Conversation, where we have unapologetically honest and therapeutic conversation through the art of storytelling and mindfulness. This is your girl and your host, Agnes Apia, and I am excited to be here with you today. This is the month of November, and we are giving you the last few episodes of season four. I want to kind of say we saved the best for last, but but I'm not going to say that because every single episode this season has just been so impactful. I hope that you've been binging on them, okay? So this particular episode, we have a chat or a sit down or a conversation with one of my personal mentors and a good friend of mine, Susan Hart. Now, Susan Hart is a mindset mastery mentor and author, inspirational speaker, who has shared the stage with speakers like Jack Canfield, Les Brown, Irvin Magic Johnson, and Lisa Nichols. Susan's work is influenced by her experience in leadership development, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and her passion for storytelling and mindset. In this exceptional and thought-provoking conversation with Suzanne, she unveils the hidden truth that we have the power to create something out of nothing. See, the thing is, we often underestimate our role as co-creators in shaping our reality, assuming that life simply happens to us. Well, she's about to debunk that, okay? (laughs) We'll be exploring the concept of victimhood and how the stories we tell ourselves can trap us in a sense of powerlessness. In this episode, Suzanne addresses how ancestral experiences can influence our self-perception and limits our potential, urging us to change our narratives and embrace the creative beings we are meant to be. Woof! This is becoming co-creators of our world, transforming from victim to hero through Mindset Mastery with Susan Hart. Enjoy! First and foremost, you are a mindset and mastery mentor. Yeah. Okay. What does that mean? Like, what does it mean to you? Uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting because I use mindset mastery mentor because I wanted people to really understand that we have the opportunity to create through mastery over our thoughts. And the thought is the initiation of everything. 
And no matter what circumstance you and I find ourselves in, what we think and decide about that circumstance will make the difference in how we experience it. And so thought is everything. And thought affects emotions. It affects our communication. It affects eventually our behaviors and habits. And so it's understanding the power of thought and thought is the beginning of creation. The mind is a powerful thing and we have the ability to create something from nothing. Yes, I believe in that. Over and over again, minute to minute. And if you're not aware of your own power of creation, you'll think that things are just happening. However, you won't know how you engage in how things happen, how you are a co-creator in how things are impacting and affecting you. So yeah, (laughs) the mind, powerful, all powerful. Wow. (laughs) You are a co-creator in everything and anything that's affecting you. Um, That's that's deep because a couple of years ago, I think for myself, I was that person that always thought, you know how we're, I mean, growing up as a Christian, I always say this, growing up as a Christian, (laughs) Um, it's thought that there's this God mm-hmm. and this God to my understanding of it was the one that was sort of orchestrating our lives. Mm. And all we needed to do is to pray to this God and ask this God to give us the things, do the things for us, get this for us, you know, open the doors and you're always asking God. But then obviously we grow, we learn, we expand, we meet great people like you. (laughs) And then we understand that, hold on, God can't do everything. Well, he, he, it's not that he cannot do everything. He can't obviously, because it's, there's no greater force, nothing greater than, than it, it, she, whatever. But there is a role that I'm playing in this game. Absolutely. And, and, um, you know, um, it's, it's such an interesting thing. We just where you, you decided to start because it's so powerful. So whenever I enter into this conversation, I always go two things to really understand and know one is he gave us free will. And I think we forget this thing called free will. That Mm -hmm. means we have power and we have the opportunity to choose in, choose out, choose not to, choose to. And so that's really interesting from the get-go. So that's the first thing just to put in the equation. The second thing is there's this line that says we are made in his image. Mm. Think about that for a minute. So if I am made in his image, I am made in his likeness. Would that not make sense that I have some powers that he may have? Maybe on the, not at the same magnitude, but some of it. Yeah. So what what happens is we think that we are passive participants yes. and you hear people always say, you know, I'm I'm praying, I'm, you know, but they say faith without work is dead. It's dead. Yeah. And I don't know that there's a miracle that ever occurred where someone didn't wasn't asked to do something. Get up and move, touch you know, pick up your mat and walk because our action is our demonstration of faith. So this is where we have the breakdown. We think that we pray and the prayer is enough. Well, the prayer is the ask. Yeah. 
the action is the demonstration of faith in my mind. So my action is my demonstration of faith, but my action is also my demonstration of becoming. Because the person who asked is not going to be the person who receives. And sometimes we're waiting for the miracle, the thing that we ask for, but we're passively waiting. And, and I believe he's saying, well, get up and become, prepare yourself because what I asked for, I truly believe is already mine. Yeah. However, maybe I'm not yet ready to receive because I haven't gone through the steps of becoming. Suzanne, Suzanne, always. <laughs> the steps of becoming, and it's, this is so profound because it, it comes to a place where I'm, I always tell myself, like now I'm always telling myself that in order for us to like live this life that we want, we have to go back into ourselves and figure out who we are. It's mm-hmm. so important. Um, I think there's a lot of people that are living in this life without really knowing who they are, without going through that journey of the becoming, as you mentioned, right? And they also struggle with negative thoughts, mm-hmm. negative beliefs, and all of these like mental roadblocks that prevents them from becoming absolutely are there things that you think they're not doing apart from just praying and waiting and apart from the action are there other things that they these people this category of people that are not that are being past passive waiters are doing that's not allowing them to become Absolutely. Yeah, of course. And, and, you know, I, I know this work intimately because at some point we are all that person. Yeah. Right. Where we are, and I'm going to use the word intentionally, we are a victim of our circumstances. I'm a victim. This is happening to me. I feel powerless. I am a victim. Mm -hmm. And that position has you feel powerful, powerless because of the conversation that you're having with yourself around this thing. I call it the story you're telling yourself. Yeah. Remember, we said that everything starts with thought and creation. So something happens, I don't like it, and therefore I make up a story about it. However, the story that I make up puts me in the seat of the victim who's powerful, powerless, who has this thing happening to me. So think of the perspective of that. Think of the emotions it evokes. And then think of the behaviors that it evokes. And then think of the conversation that you're continuously having with yourself that it evokes. So part of it is oftentimes we see things as happening a certain way because we are conditioned to do so. I always, I, I, I always look at one is the stories you tell, we tell ourselves. And you know, I, I teach stories stealing, telling for a clear reason. Something happens, we make up a story because that is what the mind does. The mind does not like the gap that's absent with no answer. Yeah. So if we don't have an answer, we tend to make one up. Mm-hmm. And depending on whether we see ourselves as a victim or not, we will make up a story consistent with that identity. Yeah. And, you know, you saying this reminds me of the, there was an event that we went to. Um, you were one of the speakers in that event. 
And I, it's this, the situation stuck with me <laughs> because I think there was an elderly lady. She was, she was pretty, pretty older. And you asked her, I can't remember exactly what happened, but I think you had asked her um, something about why she's not doing something. And, you know, she didn't really have like any, she's like, well, just because I'm like this, you know, mm-hmm. just because of that. Um, why she's not talking, she didn't want to talk or something to do with that. Mm-hmm. So while we're doing the exercises, she does her exercise and then she remembers a story yeah. about when she started talking and seeing things, the answers that she was getting from her family members. Like, oh, you're talking too much or you're talking like this or too this or too that. And from that time, she created a story in her mm-hmm. mind about herself. Mm-hmm. So she decided in that moment, maybe she was in her 20s, 30s, 40s, whichever it was, to just shut her mouth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is a this is an elderly, you know, listen, this is an elderly lady. So mm-hmm. imagine spending 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of your life with this story that doesn't really mean anything. Absolutely. That's not... <laughs> That doesn't bring you anything, and the 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 chances that you lose, um, the opportunities, you know, all of the the great things that could have been mm-hmm. one story. And we uh, and the, this is the thing we all we all inherit or create these stories. Yeah. Right. So so we're, we're I'm gonna talk from from the perspective of a black woman to a black woman. We know that as a result of slavery, as a result of skin color, as a result of our ancestral experience, we have inherited a group of stories that have us see ourselves a certain way. Mm. And oftentimes those stories may limit where we go. Those stories may limit what we think we can do, Mm. how big we think we can become, how much money we think we can earn. And I'm just using race in an experience to to see what's been passed on, yeah. right? And so part of the work I do, part of why I love stories is my thing is if the stories that you inherit limit your life and don't serve you, well, why not let them go and rewrite them? Mm, create new ones, that's it. This should change the narrative. And people are like, well, how can it be that simple? I'm mm. like, well, either you made it up or somebody else made it up. At some point, an event happened and you made up a story or someone made up a story and then passed it on to you. Mm. Since it was made up, let's just make up another one. That's That's because we are the creative being. Mm. Made in his image, we are the creative being. So that means in this moment at this time, if I no longer desire to be the victim of this situation, I can choose in this moment to create a new narrative. That's it. And in creating that new narrative, I, one, change my perspective. Two, I now have access to the possibility of a new identity. Mm. And three, I am no longer sitting in the seat of the victim. And in my world, storyteller, I say, oh, I just assumed the seat of the hero and I become my own rescue. Yes. 
And and there's intention in the, those words. The first person I heard say that was Lisa Nichols. Mm, yes. I thought, how powerful is that? Yeah. But truly, when you choose to sit in the seat of the hero, and in every story there's a hero, yeah. the sad thing is when the victim often waits for the hero to come rescue them. Yeah. In my world, we transform from the victim into the hero and we become our own rescue. Mm-hmm. There's power in that. That is so powerful. And so what happens when we become our own hero, we we begin to create the process of transformation. Now I believe that as I become my own hero, and I, I when I and I, I'm a visual thinker, so I go, mm-hmm. so I'm knocked down on my back playing the victim, stomping my feet, doing all those crazy things. Mm-hmm. When I decide to be the hero, it's almost like I rise. I rise from the ashes. But when I rise, I pick up stuff. I pick up lessons. I pick up growth. I pick up opportunity. I pick up because in every circumstance, there's a blessing. There is. If you choose to see it that way. Yeah. Now, remember, I'm talking mindset. I'm talking thought. So if I go into every situation believing that there's a blessing, believing that there's a gift, believing that there's an opportunity for me to grow, believing I will find it. And so remember I said that what, is my, what, I, what I desire is already mine. Mm-hmm. I have to go through the process of becoming. In mindset work, the process of becoming is, is paved with challenges, overcoming circumstances, mm-hmm growth opportunities. And every time I, I, I meet one of those and I choose to find the gift in it, I expand who I am. I become. I tap into stuff that's already in me that I don't know. I expand and find gifts and talents and super, super, you know, superpowers that I didn't know was there. So I continue to expand and I'm in the becoming. And when I become that person, I receive. Mm. So when we think it's a passive process in terms of I ask, I pray, and I sit and wait, we haven't demonstrated our faith by preparing Mm. and becoming. So I always say, pray with expectation. Mm. And if you pray with expectation, you're going to get into action because you're expecting to receive. And you're going to go through the process of transformation And then you're going to become the person who is able not only to receive, but to handle the gift. Yes. I think that's the biggest thing. It's the the handling. That's why you need to become. That's why you need to become. The person who asks is not the person who receives. There's growth needed. Because if you asked and you were already the person, chances are you'd already have it. We ask big because we're not there yet. But what we don't realize is that we have to now grow into right? Now, what I'm doing is I'm just shifting how I think because everything started with my thought. So I shifted the perspective from the victim of a situation to the hero Hero. of a situation. However, I, I shifted my perspective from this circumstance negative to this circumstance is absolutely perfect because there's something in it for me. But you know, Suzanne, um, I find it, and I'm sure there's people out there also that find it very challenging 
to see something very dramatic or traumatic happen to them and sit there and say, oh, there's a lesson in this. Oh, Mm -hmm. there's a blessing in this. Like, seriously? (laughs) Um, I I think I read some something somewhere that said, um, you know how a lot oftentimes we say there's a reason for everything, mm-hmm. and then you hear about really really harsh situations happening, and you really ask yourself, is there really a reason? Is this just not life? <laughs> you know, is this is this life being life? Is it is it not people not making the right decisions that's creating these unfortunate situations to happen? Like somebody. Listen to what you just said. It's life being life Mm. and it's people not making great choices. Perfect. So, so this is the interesting thing about this perspective. It's life being life. So life will always toss me circumstances. Mm. Some circumstances I want, some circumstances I don't want. Some Mm. circumstances come with ease and some circumstances are just, you know, just knock you down difficult. Mm. That's life being life. Sure. Yeah. As life is life, we get to choose how much we suffer. Ooh. And my suffering is my perspective to that to which I choose to look at the situation. Hmm. So in my teachings, I say that life is like a river, right? Hmm. And and life has a current and it's going this way. How many of us get in the river and we decide we want to go upstream because we don't want to accept the current of the direction? And as you go upstream, you're going to suffer. You're going to work harder. It's going to be difficult because you're swimming against the situation. Mm -hmm. What happens when I choose to stop and accept this is the situation I'm in and surrender, give up trying to control the situation? Mm And then say, but what do I have control over? Over. Well, what I have control over is how I choose to be in the middle of this situation. And when I shift how I choose to be, how I choose to view it, how I choose to engage in it, I will always have access to more. Mm. Fear. Mm -hmm. Fear stops us. Absolutely. Fear hinders us. Absolutely. I read an article um, on your website that said something about fear being a prison that's Mm -hmm. created in our minds. Mm -hmm. Do you mind just delving into that a little bit with that? How is fear a prison that's created in our minds? Well, how often do you want something and it's outside of what's comfortable, but you won't go get it because it's beyond what you seem to believe is comfort and that an imaginary line or circle around you is as far as you're going to go, but what you want is out there. Mm -hmm. So what you see as comfort, no fear. I'm comfortable here. I may be uncomfortably uncomfortable. I may want more. I may be painfully comfortable. I want more, but I'm imprisoned by my comfort because I'm afraid of what's out there, right? The interesting thing is this is in our mind. <laughs> that limit is in our mind. And, and so part of it is that we are most afraid just before we step out. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. 
And, and, and I tell people, we seem to think that when we step out, we got to take this leaping jump, like miles outside of what's comfortable. And I call that crisis when you get thrown out of what's comfortable and you're like, ah, mm-hmm. oh my God, so yeah. you're gasping. But what if you just took one step out? Yeah. And you step into your fear and you breathe into it and you live with it for a moment. And usually what happens, you're like, oh, I'm okay. Yeah. Okay. And then you get a little comfortable here and then you go tomorrow or in a week, I'm going to step out some more. Mm. And I'm going to deal with that little bit of fear. Yeah. I'm going to breathe it in and I'm going to deal and get, I'm going to create a new level of comfort. Then I'm going to step out some more. Mm. Imagine what will happen in a year. My goodness. So, so, you know, it's interesting because I speak in front of large audiences, Mm -hmm. but I am the girl who didn't speak until she was 39 years old. My goodness. Because a teacher embarrassed me in front of the room at a very young age. And I decided the story I made up Mm. was that I'm not safe. Mm. I'm not smart. And I will never stand in front of a room again and risk being humiliated. So the front of the room created fear for me. Mm. And it, so I had lots to say, as you know. Mm-hmm. I have big thoughts going on in this head, as you know. Mm-hmm. But that circle of comfort had me living small, although my big life was out there. And it was a gentleman who said, you're going to speak and I'm going to support you. And I went up shaking like a leaf, did my first presentation to 40 people, thought I was going to faint, (laughs) but I survived. Yes, you did. Faced the fear and survived. And I remember him saying, just keep going. That's it. So I kept doing it. And then 40 people became easy. And then it was a bit more people. And the more I did it, the better I got. And then the more I worked at it. Now, what was really interesting is most people will tell you that speaking is my gifting. It's my brilliance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? It's one of my superpowers. Yeah. Storytelling, speaking. We got it. And, and I was running from it yeah. because it was out there. Mm-hmm. And my prison of fear because of an event that happened to a five-year-old girl Mm. kept me trapped. The story you told yourself. The story I told myself. That was created through my thought and I made it my reality. I have a question about thoughts. And this Mm -hmm. is a question that I actually asked one of my other guests and I want to know your perspective. What does thought want? What does thought want? Yeah. That's a great question. You know, I think what thought wants is meaning and answer. So there's a saying that says we are meaning-making machines, right? An event happens and we are compelled to put an interpretation to it, a meaning to it, a perspective to it, an opinion. So our thought is our desire to create answers, Now, this is the interesting thing is that you and I want to remember that we are creative beings. Yeah. So thought is our desire, need, compulsion to create Create. answers. So this, oh my God, I love this because this is like a jigsaw puzzle right now. (laughs) 
because you know the the other guest said thought wants to exist and wants mm-hmm. to live. Mm-hmm. And well, you're and, just and saying absolutely because yeah. because mindset says the way I look at it is we are here to become more. So if we are not growing, what are we doing? We're becoming less, therefore we are dying. So thought is the movement of growth. However, what you want to know is that thought could also be the movement toward death or less, less than. So that's why when we think about mindset mastery, we're thinking of mastering the thought. So they're growth-oriented thoughts, they're expansion-oriented thoughts, they're higher-oriented thoughts, they're thoughts that have us evolve and become more. Because how many of you know people who have thoughts that are having them shrink, thoughts that are having them become depressed, thoughts that are having them become less? We're still thinking beings. It is So mastery is about what am I thinking and what direction is it moving me? Does it serve me? Because ultimately we are here for more. So when we, so when, when people are like, I don't know what my purpose is, mm-hmm. I believe my purpose is to become more. Wow. And in that becoming more, I will find my, my, my lane in life, right? That the reason I exist and I'm going to give you more of it. I'm going to give you as much of it as I can. I'm going to grow into it. I'm going to expand it. But we're here to be more, to become more, to do more, to contribute more. And when we do not, and we're shrinking life, we become depressed. We become negative. We shrink, right? Because it's counterintuitive. And even... You know, talking about even counterintuitive and shrinking, I'm thinking about self-sabotage, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of, oh, I, oh my goodness. I I mean, I and many more and all of us. <laughs> You're not alone. The greatest self-sabotager ever. Like I have self-sabotage and, and it took me until, I think until I met my, um, my husband in my early 30s, that's where I realized, like, why, 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 why do I keep doing this? <laughs> why do I keep, re- like, creating these stories, telling myself these things, and literally self-sabotaging myself? Why? You know? And I want us to see if we could answer that question. Why, what are some of the, like, the common ways that we unknowingly self-sabotage but so I so before I answer that I want I want to just highlight something that that you um that you're you're tapping into. So remember I remember I said it's all perfect, right? So when some when things happen, it's imagine if life is just perfect. Everything that that's happens happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. So you keep saying I keep self sabotaging, I keep self sabotaging, I keep self sabotaging. Mm-hmm. That reoccurrence, that pattern. Mm-hmm. It's only present until you understand the reason. The pattern is there for you to investigate so you can expand. Mm. So when we avoid looking at something, Mm. it perpetuates and it often gets bigger. However, when when something happens and we have the courage to look and examine and learn, 
we break through that pattern. Yes. And we and we and we stop. So, you know, when we talk about like all the ways that it happens, it's all the ways in which growth is required for you. And it'll be all the ways in which growth is required for me. It is all my blind spots and it is all your blind spots. So I can't give you a patent answer because you and I are different. We have a different walk. We live different lives. We've had different experiences. But wherever you self-sabotage will be all the places there are lessons and giftings for you. If you're willing to say, this is happening for my greater good and this is happening. And if I'm willing to look, I will expand. I will become more. But we don't look. No. We don't look. Why do you think we don't look? Is it still fear? We're not taught to look, right? Mm. We're not, I mean, it, it, just just think of how, how we're educated. Mm. Education in North America is a process. And I know I might, I might piss up a few people off, but education, off. In North, <laughs> education in North America is go to school, get the right answer, not the answer you think through, but the right answer and regurgitate it. That's right. Go to school, memorize, prepare yourself to fill a very specific box, mm-hmm. graduate. Right, wrong is our education. That education doesn't prepare us for reason. Mm-hmm. It doesn't prepare us for, for, for analysis and thinking. It doesn't allow us even to think, consider having our own perspectives. Mm-hmm. Right, it doesn't allow us to daydream, which is you exploring creativity in your own perspectives. It doesn't make room for that. So, and when we start doing it, we are so fearful of doing it because we want to fit. Yeah, we want to belong. Yeah, and so we are not. We are not encouraged. And you know the kid who walks to their own beat. When they're young in school, mm. does not have a good experience. Mm. They're they're given all type of names. Oh, I think your child has ADD, ADHD, is this is that, and all 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 type of names. <laughs> you know, they're given they're nerds. They're they're, nerds. they're this. They're all the different things because they're not they're not they're not marching to the the given drum, if you will. And so, why would we? want to do an analysis of something painful. Wow. We're not taught to do it. Why would we want to check out our emotions when we're not even like even taught to feel them? So we are conditioned to not think. We are conditioned to not analyze. We are conditioned to not um, challenge. We're conditioned to not express mm. what we truly feel, think, believe. That's a big one. So we don't risk. Mm-mm. Therefore, we don't examine what really is happening. So that means Suzanne, a lot of us, well, a lot of people in this world are not living. They're just existing. Because mm-hmm. if, if we can get to a place where we're examining ourselves and questioning certain patterns and just keep repeating those patterns. Mm-hmm. That means you're not here. <laughs> you know well, and, and, and it's, it's interesting that you say that because we, we also live in a society where IQ is everything. Mm. We score it, we test it, we reward it. Mm. We get big titles for it. Mm. IQ is everything. Yeah. 
um, we're now just getting present to how important EQ is. Emotional intelligence. Right. And so EQ is this thing that we have neglected for so long. However, when we examine highly successful functional people, what we notice is their EQ is off is really usually often quite high. Because it's not always the most intelligent people that make the most the most amazing things. It's those that have great EQs. So so part of where we're missing our deficit, and this is where wisdom lives, I believe. This is where maturity happens. When we do the self-examination, we become wiser. Um, we become wholer, like whole and complete. Mm-hmm. We, be, we become um, people with better self-esteem and better sense mm-hmm. of self-worth. Mm-hmm. We begin to trust ourselves. We begin to understand ourselves. A whole bunch of things become available mm-hmm. if we're willing to do that work. Yeah. So the reason I love mindset work is mindset is not about out there. Yeah. It's, it's about in here. And when you do the work in here, it expands out there. How does mindset and emotion and our EQ like come together? How how does how do they balance each other out or what does mindset have to do with emotional intelligence? Well, you know, the way I have broken it down so I understand it is is we have thought and thought often we're 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 we're, we're conditioned or taught to live here. Yeah. In our in our head, right? You, we and you see us all. We're all in our head, we're thinking, we're reasoning, we're logical, whatever. However, there's a big part going on here, which is heart, which mm-hmm. is emotion, which is all these different things. Mm-hmm. What's really interesting is this thought affects this emotion. Mm-hmm. When you're stopped, what's stopping you? An emotion, right? It's an emotion, yeah. Fear, anxiety, shame, anger, blame. Emotional intelligence is about managing and understanding this part, having been able to put voice to what's happening in here, being able to distinguish what's happening in here. In in, in our world, we're allowed to be happy or angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, Those are the only two emotions. There's nothing in between. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. However, we know there's so much in between mm-hmm. and there's so much beyond anger. Beyond, yeah. So, and it's all going on here, but we're saying, don't worry about that. Just live up here in your head. So how EQ um, matters is emotions is what blocks us. And and most of us, you know, when I when I teach and someone is confronted or something's happening, I always go, so who's making the decision right now? Is it your emotions or is it choice? You choosing? And people will be like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, my emotion just made that decision. Got it. Perfect. Awareness. How often do our emotions make the decision? So I wanted to speak. I wanted to take the the front of the room, but fear said no. Anxiety said no. Suzanne would have chose something different if I was free and clear, but I wasn't free and clear. I was bogged down with fear. I was bogged down with shame. I was bogged down with anxiety. 
I was bogged down with blame. I was bogged mm-hmm. down with all these different things. So you're asking what emotions have to do with it? They <laughs> were the stoppers yeah. of what I wanted. Yeah. Right. And they're the they're the fuel and energy in my story I'm telling myself. Mm. That's so true. Because we attach any anything that affects us is because we've we've attached an emotion to it. Any thought that we attach an emotion to it, that's where the thought actually comes to life. Yeah, it is. And and have you ever watched someone hold on to something? Oh yeah. Right? And you're thinking, okay, the event happened five years ago. Yeah. Why are we and the minute they start it? talking about it, the minute they start reliving it, do you see the shift in energies? Because what they haven't released and dealt with is the energy. So that event is still ener- energetically negatively charged. The energy in motion. Right. So when we do the work, we're doing the work to disperse, to let go of the energy, right? What does it mean, do the work? Do the work is to, in in mindset, it's to go inward and, and reflect and pull things apart and look at the cause of our story. I always say, look at the villain in your story. Look at what you've decided about yourself in your story. Mm-hmm. Look at what you decided, period. Yeah. And pull that apart and really see. And then ask yourself, is this truth? And most people are like, oh, yeah, no, it's not. Oh, yeah. So it's really to do the work to pull things apart so I can see and understand it. Mm-hmm. So I can release stuff and let it go. And I'm, I'm a big believer. It's not that you, you have to work to get, get over it. You work to understand it to the extent that you can manage, manage it. Yeah. Right. Cause getting over stuff is a lot of work and I don't really want to do that much work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And, and so, so I, so just, I'll have situations. So, um, my, I called the little girl in me, Susie, and Susie will show up a lot in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody's version of Susie shows up often. Mm-hmm. And, and I remind myself that Susie has allowed me to survive many things. So when Susie shows up in all her survival and all the ways that have been conditioned into me, I'm not going to get over her. Mm. She's here to actually flag something for me. Mm. So when she shows up, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm afraid. Got it. Ooh, I'm anxious. Ooh, I want to run. She is there to to highlight things for me. Because she shows up. She shows up in her automatic, habitual way of being, all the things we were conditioned to do when we were young to survive an environment. So she shows up and she flags things for me. And for me, it's how I engage with her rather than pushing her down and go, don't show up. This is not a good day time. I'm like, oh, yeah, I understand. We're afraid. We're nervous. Ooh, this reminds me of this situation. Because- that's why she she's arriving. She's like, remember the last time we did this? Remember the last time we went out on stage and and or we went to the front of the room and the teacher said blah 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 and you were left 
standing crying in front of the room, waiting for the world to swallow you up. You don't want to do that again. That's what she's there for. And I'm able to go, okay, yeah, I hear you and I understand that, but we're in a better place now. We're good. And I can, I can settle, but I can only settle if I face it and accept it and go, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. I got it. Let's move. Wow. My goodness. You know, you said so much. (laughs) You said so many things. I'm just trying to, um, this work. It's, I'm still, my thoughts are still on the work, you know, and we mentioned something about how it's a lot. It's a lot to handle. And not a lot of people are able to, to handle the work, to really sit down. And- I'm not sure I'm saying it's, it's, it's a lot and it's a lot to handle. I don't actually think it is. I think that's how we are conditioned to believe it is. I think it is liberating. I think it is freeing. And I think what makes the difference in the way I hold it is I tell my clients it's a practice. It's not a end you get to. It's a practice. So I'm going to give you the tools for the practice and you're going to apply the tools in every circumstance where you feel unbalanced. And you're going to practice because if I make it a place you arrive at, life is going to continuously have you fail and it's going to be hard. However, if it's a practice to empower you to feel, to have Mm self-control, self-mastery is my favorite word, to have mastery in a situation, it's a practice. So whenever you find yourself feeling like you don't have mastery, apply the practice. And what are, what are some of those tools, if I may ask? Yeah. If you could get a crash course. <laughs> <laughs> the first one is to understand that we are creative beings and we're always creating. Mm. Right? That's a That's very, big. very first one. That's big. Um, the second one in my favorite is the principle of acceptance. Wow. The minute I accept where I am, life, life things get easier. And when I say acceptance, I don't mean give up. I don't mean throw your hands up. I mean to say, this is where I am. This is, this is the situation. And to do so without judging myself, blaming myself or somebody else, guilting myself, shaming myself, just this is what is. Mm-hmm. Right? I joke when I was financially upside down, every time I opened my bank account, I'd open it. And I'd create this drunkalogue of a story, <laughs> massive, about how horrible I was. How did I get big? Mm. And the story I created forced me to close back my bank account because the story made me feel bad about who I, who I was and, and, who, and where I was in the world, mm. my circumstance. Yeah. When I was able to give up the story and just look and accept, oh, it's a negative bank balance. That's all it was. So that negative balance made me write a whole drunk log of a story that had me end in shame. When I was able to just accept and say, this is where it is. Mm -hmm. This is the situation. And another principle, when I was willing to take responsibility Mm -hmm. for the situation. Now, responsibility is not blame. Responsibility is I have the ability to respond to this. 
the minute I did that, I went into creation. Mm. I became solution focused. I began to generate ideas because the energy, the emotions of blame, shame, judgment wasn't stopping me anymore. I had cleared things out and then stuff started popping up. And within, and you, you know, the story within a year and a half, I was, I was not only right side up, it was abundant. It was flowing. I, within me is the ability to create a solution. However, I have to accept where I am. Yeah. Because we can't move forward if we don't know exactly where we are, can we? Or where we're going. Or where we're going. That's like a ship out on the water without a navigation system. I, we are, we're just going somewhere. You're going to end up where you don't want to be. We're going east. But where's east? East, east, right? where? East Africa, east London. <laughs> where are you going? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so those are the things that we want to look at. And so what I do is I teach people these steps so they continuously take responsibility and they continuously clear stuff out so that they have this blank canvas to recreate and rewrite and write a new narrative that empowers and inspires them. Masterminds. The concept of, of mastermind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's often associated with like collaborative problem solving and like creativity. Um, how do you apply the ideas of a mastermind um, mm-hmm. to your mindset coaching? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, and the benefits of, of, of having a mastermind when it comes to our minds. Well, let's, let's start with the, the desire to belong. Oh, yeah. Right. And so one is we all want to belong somewhere. So the mastermind is a group of people who come together with a common goal, which is to expand themselves, to become more. It's a tribe, mm-hmm. right? It's a group of people who, are th- who want to think a certain way and they want to think in a growth oriented and expansion oriented. They want to become more. Mm-hmm. I call them the super achievers. They want more out of life. So that's the first thing. The second thing is mastermind is based on Napoleon Hill's principle that when a whole bunch of minds come together, magic happens. Yeah. Because you remember that one of the laws in, in mindset is, is the law of oneness. We are all mm-hmm. interconnected. Yeah. And we all affect each other, right? The, yeah. and, and the law of vibration. Yeah. Which is, is the energy that happens. So I bring people together. And I teach them this process, these principles. And then I give them an assignment to go into their life and put to work. When they come back, we spend an hour unpacking what happened when they put it to work in their lives. And what's beautiful about the mastermind process is now they become each other's teachers. They become each other's supporters. They become each other's, yeah, you're right on point, or me too, belonging. You're not alone. Oh, this is what happened to me. I'm, we just had a beautiful session on Tuesday night, and one of the women was sharing, and another woman said, oh my gosh, that's exactly where I was last year. Let me share with you what I did. And I just facilitate the beautiful dialogue. I create the framework. I drop a teaching in, I give them some work to do, and then they come back and they teach each other through, through authentic 
transparent communication. I could not create that on my own. And then there's a community that happens where people belong because they're, they've agreed to be vulnerable. They've agreed to be transparent. They've agreed to share and they've agreed to look inward and they agree to be challenged to look. Mm, they agree to be challenged to look. I think, I think that's the big part <laughs> being challenged to look mm-hmm. because now you're not the only one in your little corner that's looking. There's other eyes <laughs> that are also I, looking at you like, Hey, <laughs> I see you. I see you. <laughs> right. And, and, and so one of the, one of the things that we, we talk about in the mastermind is accountability. Mm-hmm. And I define it as to account for your ability. Mm-hmm. And I tell everyone that no one can hold you accountability. You get to choose accountability. What the mastermind members do is hold up the mirror so you can see who you're being in this moment. And then you can powerfully choose who do you want to be? Who do you desire to be? Sometimes you're being exactly who you desire to be and you celebrate it. Other times you're like, oh crap, that is not how I want to show up. Or I didn't know that's who I was being. And now you have the opportunity to shift and transform. So we're mirrors for each other. Yeah. Accountability is your business. You get to choose it or, cho- or not to choose it. If you don't choose it, we'll, we'll, we'll challenge you on how come. Mm. We're always holding the mirror. You're doing the work. Profound, profound, profound. Um, <laughs> I'm, 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 I don't even know what else to say right now. Actually, <laughs> I'm like lost of thoughts and words at this point. I'm gonna go back and re, re. Obviously, I'm gonna re-listen to this and uh, while I'm editing. But um, you've gave us a whole class today. And um, we're about to end this conversation. But before we do that, I wanted to know if you had any other words of wisdom that maybe you felt like you want to share to our listeners today. You know, well, I, I truly believe that if the people who are listening to these types of conversations are on a journey of expansion, they're on a journey to become more. And sometimes we, um, aren't able to move because we're journeying on our own. Yeah. And there's nothing like one, a support system or people holding up the mirror and reflecting back. And oftentimes, you know, I'll be sitting with someone and they'll say, all you do is tell me what I, what I told you. I said, yeah, that's all I do. But I tell you what you told me so you can hear what you're saying Mm. and you can see yourself. And then we get to brainstorm about what you see. We can't always see who we're being. However, the journey that you choose to be on, if more is what you want, is so worth it. Because those of us who choose more feel the most alive. Mm. We live the boldest lives. We challenge ourselves to places and heights that when we look back, we're like, man, I didn't even know she was in there or he was in there or that was even possible. This is what I'll I'll leave everyone with, is that we are all brilliant. We are all so very special. Yeah. But most of us don't know what's in us. Yeah. Circumstances come and evolve so that we can discover the more that we are. And I invite you to go on the journey 
because the world is waiting. And there's somebody that each of us are here to touch. The world is waiting. I want to stand. I, I see like standing up and giving you like a, <laughs> a standing ovation. <laughs> That's, that was the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> I, was gonna, I, I will receive that. Yeah, I was going to stand up. And just give that. Wow. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh man, Suzanne, you don't know. Thank you so much for this. And um, one of the things that I do love doing is before we close, because you've given us so much wisdom, because we received so much, um, I want to lighten up the, the, the end of the conversation with a few other questions. But these are just fun, silly questions. Okay. And um, there are three main questions. So, um, yeah, I'll be asking those to you if you're okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my first question is, what is your favorite emoji? Or if you were an emoji, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. If I was an emoji, what would I be? I'd be sun. Oh, I love that. I'd be the sun. I love that. I love yeah. that. Just energy and warmth. Yes. We need so much. Yeah, we need that. <laughs> um, what music are you bumping to or podcast you're tuning into? Oh my gosh. So right now I'm all over Afrobeats. Such, such a nice vibe. It's like that mix between reggae, soca, calypso, Afrobeats. African beat is just like yeah, it, it's a whole vibe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Do you have a specific song that you're like um, in love with or anything in the sort? Not really. It's just that whole energy of that jam. Yeah. It's just so it's sweet. It's sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Afrobeat is definitely taking a rise right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like where have you been and what yeah. took you so long? Yeah. Yeah, get here in our world, but it's um it's amazing. Um, any podcast? Are you a podcast listener? Um, you know, I I tend to have a girl crush on Brene Brown. Yes, I like her mind. Yes. Um, I haven't been listening to a lot lately because I've been writing a lot yeah, and creating a lot. Great happening. Um, so I've been reading a huge amount. I think I'm on book. 26 and six months so yeah it's been like kind of nuts <laughs> i wish i could be reading like that i have one book i oh, reading and audio and note yeah, all of it stuff. yeah yeah i love that i love that okay last one yeah pick the number one to five three okay so this is good talking about books imagine you woke up tomorrow and found yourself in the world of your favorite book or movie which fictional world, which fictional, uh, sorry, which fictional world would you choose and how would you spend your first day there? <laughs> right now, my fictional world that I would choose. Ooh, like there's, there's a few that come to nine. Bridgerton. Ooh. Yeah, I'd be in Bridgerton. What would your, fa your first day in Bridgerton be like? Oh my gosh. I think I I would probably put myself somewhere and and just people watch. I'd be like the town town gossip for the first day. I'd just be like, what's going on? What's going on? You know, trying to, 
Yeah, Trying to rhyme yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I like. Yeah. I want to rent space in my girl's brain. Yeah, she's she's amazing. <laughs> Grace Anatomy. Are you a Grace Grace Anatomy? No, I've never. I've not been a Grace Anatomy. I was Scandal. Scandal. Um, yes. Yeah, but Shonda, I was like, your brain is is like it's it's a little freaky sometimes. But she's so creative. So she's yeah, really I want to rent space in her brain in one of her stories. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a fun place to be. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you so, so much, so much, Suzanne. I know that you are working on a few things. Let us know where we could find you. What are you working on? How can we get connected with you? Well, yeah, we're just about to launch uh the Mindset Mastery Mastermind. Um we're launch we're you know, we're inviting people to join us uh, beginning September. So we'll, we'll be putting that out there. And then for those who want to continue on, we're going to do a certification program because there have been people who've been asking me to put this in, you know, so that other people can use it as they train and, and move. So totally excited about that. You can find me, my website is suzannehart.com. Um, I am on most social media platforms as Suzanne Hart and Suzanne is S-U-Z-A-N and Hart is H-A-R-T. Yes, everything's short. So, um, yeah, so just definitely connect with me. Um, send me an email if you go to my website. I'd love to connect with you for sure. And Agnes, I gotta say, you thank you for the interview. You are, I mean, you're just a special person for me and just the way you move through the questions and you create this ease of conversation. I'm just so excited that you're choosing to do what you do. Thank you. And you've been part of this journey. <laughs> you've been part of this journey. You've been, you've been an amazing part of my journey and I'm so grateful that we're still here. You know, yeah, I'm super yeah. we're here, and um, I know we're we're just gonna keep expanding. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, keep creating, my dear. Yes, blessings, blessings. Thank you for tuning in today. We encourage you to continue the conversation in our community of open-minded women. And we appreciate your support and feedback. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media at Instagram, Umami Conversation, or through our website at agnesapia.com. So until next time, keep listening, keep learning, and keep embracing the power of storytelling and mindfulness. Blessings.